All right, everybody. Are you ready for a spectacular show? Introduce the original bad hombre, the amazing nerd, the hardest working Antifa boys on George Soros's payroll. With Pablo Morale Martinez and Ernesto Mancibo, only on Radio Free Brooklyn. A lot of fin dumb, a lot of pay pigs are are in this this uh, this draft of my script. <laughs> Again, this show is the pinnacle of human achievement. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> this is what people tune in for: the fin dumb talk. Fin Dom talk. <laughs> <laughs> but perhaps we should let the people know what they're listening to. Uh yeah, that's right. Um well, of course, I'm Pav. And I'm E. And together we are the Robots versus Taxes program. On Radio Free Brooklyn. Yeah, that's right. That is right. Right <laughs> on the fucking money. The show that brings the politics, the pop culture, and m- intermingles them, uh, you know, at at our at at a, at a medium pace, <laughs> at a regulated pace, for your listening pleasure. You know, we are the ASMR of uh, I don't know. Shut the fuck ups. <laughs> <laughs> well said, my friend. Well said. Yeah. So, so what are we talking about tonight, I, uh, my bro? I'd like to start out by just pointing out that as as many horrible things that are happening in the world uh, that deserve our attention, uh, speaking mostly about uh, the crisis in Ukraine, the war in Ukraine, um, it seems like the the ogre of racism and racial bias never sleeps at all, ever. Because uh, this past week, um, Ryan Coogler of Black Panther fame uh, directed uh, Black Panther, which went on to make over a billion dollars and put so many of its stars on the map, made them super prominent. Obviously, this man is well-to-do, uh, has substantial assets, Uh, Very successful. And like any other person, he goes to the bank to make withdrawals. Um, The thing is, uh, even though we're at the tail end of the global pandemic that has dominated our lives for the past two years, um, he's still practicing uh, uh, safety measures. He wears his mask, um, especially when he's visiting uh, public places, private places that require them. So he had a mask on when he went into the bank, as well as a, a cap a, a cap or a hat or something like that, as well as the sunglasses. He hands a um, his withdrawal slip to the teller and says, you, you know, indicating the amount that he'd like to withdraw, I think something between like ten and $12,000, and says something along the lines of, could you please count it uh, before you bring it to the window, it's a substantial amount of money, I don't want to bring attention, you know, which is understandable if you're withdrawing that much money 
Um, I mean, he had people with him, but why take the risk, right? I mean, it's just sensible. Um, hands the teller his ID. Okay, so here's the first red flag. <laughs> I don't believe, unless you're a really stupid bank robber, that there's any bank robbery where you hand the teller your ID. <laughs> um, the bank teller proceeds to notify management uh, that this is a possible robbery. The police show up, handcuff Ryan Kugler. Um, they check his ID. They make a few calls, and then they release him uh, on the spot. They they also uh, took custody of some of his uh, the people who were with him, uh, friends or associates. Um, and they released all of them, you know, soon after at the bank. But the main point of it is, is that in 2022, a black man practicing safety measures uh, in response to the COVID pandemic, going to a bank, which he has banked with before. This wasn't his first time there. And I would imagine that he's probably one of their uh, notable clients. He doesn't just have a regular, you know, uh, checking and savings, I'm sure. Um, and uh, this happens to him. It's fucking enraging. It is. It is. It definitely is. It's um. It, it's just to me. It, it just speaks to the 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 overall failure of the the supposed race relations that are going on within the United States because I, I still feel that with no matter how many achievements or how hard um, black people struggle they're always othered mm. despite being just human beings like trying to get you know trying to go out for a jog trying to get money from you know, uh, a bank trying to just carve out a living. And they're just like, it, it, it just, to me, it just, every time I see news stories like this, uh, I just fucking, I can't even, dude, not even in fucking fiction can black people get a break. Fucking in, uh, in, in uh, Winter Soldier, Nick Fury, he's the leader of fucking, he's the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Mm -hmm. What happens? Fucking cop, like, White cops just staring him down. And then he's like, there's that whole moment where he's just like, you want to see my fucking lease? You know? <laughs> but, you know. Uh, I, I would have loved to see a deleted scene where they, 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 they fucked around and they found out in the worst way who Nick Fury is. Like, the, it, 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 he's, he's one of those guys who literally has the power to be like you know what you're going to be reassigned to the worst assignment that one could we're going to make something up just for you you're going to be a uh, sewer cops now that's what you're going to be <laughs> <laughs> dude if nick fury was at his full potential man like uh and you know hydra hadn't infected shield I'm pretty sure if he called in an airstrike on those cops, you know, they'd be fucking eating shit right now. <laughs> but anyway, I, don't, I didn't want to veer too too hard into pop culture. Obviously, with the situation with Ryan Coogler, it's just, again, it's just a sign that um, 
just uh, as a human race, we just need to do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we need to really speak on the problems that are at the core of the decay that lurks within our community, within our society. Mm. Um, and damn, that would be a killer segue to talk about Batman. Mm. But uh, <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> but we have uh, uh, we wanted to talk about what Kenobi first. <laughs> Why? Why do you say it in that tone? Star Wars is your shit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't Star Trek. <laughs> True, I'm cat, dude. I got. I gotta say, man, it's just as thrilling as the Kenobi trailer was. Right? Uh, it, I'm so sick of Tatooine. I'm just. I. I've said it before. And I'll say it again. Anakin Skywalker was right. We should all hate sand. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) It's coarse and it's rough and it gets in every TV show now. Like in every (laughs) fucking Star Wars show. Oh, my God. Look, first of all, uh, it's because uh, locations that are just nothing but sand are probably the easiest to film on in regards to licensing. You don't have to you know, submit stuff to the city and get uh, roads cordoned off and bring in, you know, production trucks from Hadid's. Um, you can just like show up with a camera with some people in costumes and just shoot. And it's epic because it's just nothing but sand, nothing to interrupt the skyline or anything like that. So, you know, from, from that perspective, I'm sure as a filmmaker, you could appreciate that. I can. I can't look. The cinematic scope of it all is grand. But I just don't like one of my favorite episodes so far of like the book of Boba Fett slash the Mandalorian was when the Mandalorian ends up in the O'Neill cylinder, right? He ends mm-hmm. up uh, in that ring, that yeah. Elysium ring. And he does kind of like he does business and he talks with his fellow brethren in the Mandalore core, right? Nick? Right. So. So I'm uh, uh, like I like to to go back and to keep going back to the Tatooine. Well, I'm just like, ah, and you know what else? Fuck, you know, you know, that the thing that fucking bugs me the most now where I'm just like uh, Star Star Wars is on its way to being. No, I would rather Star Trek than Star Wars because of their fan base. I don't even know how to take that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> don't get me wrong. That was so backhanded. You know? God damn. <laughs> the fan base for Star Wars is the worst because when this trailer came out, fucking just floods of complaints about like how the for one, they were just like, oh, fucking Star Wars is woke now. Star Wars is woke now. Because it's like fucking, there's a black uh, Sith Inquisitor. Oh, boy. Uh, and then they were just like complaining about the 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 other, the Grand Inquisitor. He didn't look, you know, uh, Clone Wars accurate. Mm. And I'm just like, God damn. Is wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you telling me? That just because we can't make live flesh and blood human beings look like CGI rendered characters, that that's a problem? I just, I, 
That is what I'm telling you. And you know what else? These CGI you like people just need to like, you know, they just need to know their role and just stick to where they are. It's like, you know, their realm is the CGI realm. And I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> You're saying that we need to build a, a wall between reality and the digital divide is what you're saying. Yeah. A like, firewall uh, of sorts. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> Beat me by like a millisecond. <laughs> we think too much alike, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you were saying the, the fandom of Star Wars is is the worst because of their reaction to the Kenobi trailer. Yeah, uh, the reaction to the Kenobi trailer is, I mean, it, it's just not like, I don't know. I can see why George Lucas quit. Like, I, I understand, like, you know, his whole thing with like, you know, I make millions of dollars and, you know, I farted out a prequel trilogy. <laughs> I ruined Indiana Jones and I don't care. Like, fuck you. I made my billions. Um, but like the the fandom is awful is so fucking awful mm, mm. um and it's like that that could that kind of fandom is uh just needs to shut the fuck up like i could take the people who are really excited for this mm -hmm. yeah that's fine because like okay no one's seen a like an entire no one's seen an entire episode no one knows how good it is mm. like these are the same kind of people that were just like ben affleck is gonna be the worst affleck ever <laughs> and now uh, like you know you get that huge community that is just like Ben Affleck or nothing fuck the Twilight Star you know diamonds are never you know <laughs> I mean look when it comes down to fandoms um, yes it's true the Star Wars fandom has a very uh, toxic vein in it uh, for sure but uh, Star Trek you know never one to be left behind uh, we definitely have our are pieces of shit who are in many ways even more confounding than the Star Wars fandom because Star Trek has always been progressive, like from the giddy up, like every the bridge crew of the first Enterprise that we saw on TV, Kirk's Enterprise, uh, not counting the pilot episode that was Pike's Enterprise, um, is just people of color and everybody on the bridge is a bridge officer. They're basically like the upper, upper management of the ship. And imagine this came out in the late 1950s or 1960s. Uh, that was saying a lot, a lot about uh, this series. And there were lots of people who weren't happy about seeing an Asian or a black woman uh, on the bridge of a ship almost on equal footing as the captain, definitely on equal footing as the other officers on the bridge who weren't the captain. Um, and then for fast forward to Star Trek Discovery, where we see, uh, we see the show focus on two female characters, at least starting on season one. Uh, the fandom, the Star Trek fandom was definitely up in arms about it. They were just like, oh, um, it's it's all woke. Oh, why does it got to be all people of color and this, this and that? It's just like, first of all, 
shut the fuck up. Secondly, have you not seen Star Trek before? Yeah, that's that's the thing that that I'm I'm like it baffles me where there's just like uh where I just the common complaint is like, "Oh, let's do fucking more people of color in my Star Wars and Star Trek and trans people now. Like, when is all this politics going to stop getting rammed down my throat?" And it's like uh do you not know about <laughs> the show that you're watching like do you not understand like you're just like oh i don't want politics in my star trek like star trek is always it's about a federation of uh, of planets spreading diplomacy across the universe like what the fuck is like ah you know what i'm i'm choking on my own rage here uh <laughs> we just we just got to remember and this is this is something that I do to make myself feel better as well as troll these types of people online. I just let them know that it's it's it must be really painful that your perspective and your way of thinking matters less and less as time progresses. Like, think about how long this kind of toxic thinking and feeling has existed. Let's just say in America, right? It's it's progressively just never gone back to the way you wanted it to be. You know, it's, it's just going to keep on diversifying and keep on reflecting reality. There are different people's perspectives and really there's nothing you can do about it. Oh, sure. You can create your little pockets of um, media where you, you can have it reflect everything you want, but you know what? Most people don't want to consume that shit. You know, this speaks to conservative ideology, right? Because in conservative, like when you see conservative ideology reflected in science fiction, what does it look like? Uh, it looks like the First Order. It looks like the Empire. It looks like Starship fucking troopers. You know? It sure does. Where that was a satire of like the conservative, like uh, it, it went so conservative when it went fascist, you know? Uh like it, you don't see many depictions of conservatism in science fiction because there is no wiggle room in conservatism and <laughs> science fiction is all about progressing forward mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you know it's it's just like people who are just like oh fucking uh, why is this uh, politics in my science fiction it's like <laughs> you know go back to your troll cave you know uh, the the science fiction is always about looking to the future, and you're not in it. Sorry, pal. <laughs> wah, wah. Like white neck beards are not in the future. Sorry, you all dying out. You you formed your own planet, and then you all killed yourself because somebody was like, "This guy might be gay," you know. And then there was a full scale war, and then they fucking all wiped themselves out. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh this guy, no homo. You know, it's like, <laughs> and then the war broke out on neckbeard planets. <laughs> jeez, oh god, neckbeard planet. Oh jeez. <laughs> let's let's talk about a different form of fascism, shall we? Yes, let's. Let's talk about Batman. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. In particular, the Batman. Yes, the Batman. 
you know, um, mild spoilers here on out, but uh, we saw the Batman. Yes, we, we did. We both highly enjoyed it. Yes, 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 we did. Your thoughts? Uh, I I don't think it's uh, hyperbole to say that this is probably the best Batman movie as a whole that has ever been made and released. Um, this is not to say that The Dark Knight wasn't uh, a work of art in and of itself, because I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. And I remember trying to get tickets to that for IMAX for weeks because it was just sold the hell out, the IMAX on Lincoln um, uh, Lincoln Center. And uh, when I finally saw it, when I finally, first of all, I couldn't wait anymore to see it in IMAX. So I just went to a regular theater. And from the first few seconds, seeing the, like the shadow of the bat symbol go through that wall of blue flame. Um, and then the movie starting, I was just like, this is gonna be amazing. I can feel it. And it was. Um, but, you know, as amazing as it was, it had its flaws. Um, it's the the dynamics between the characters was very, very different. And it followed a uh, a prescription or a formula that a lot of the other Batman movies had is that Batman, while cool, you know, he was all about the gadgets and the fighting and the action. No real depth or personality beyond the whole, you know, my parents got shot in an alley. It relied heavily on the villain. In this one, in the Batman, the Batman is the focus and he takes you on that journey. He, he There's something about the character and the way Robert Pattinson plays him that grabs you and takes you along for the ride. What are your thoughts? I, well... For one, I I uh, totally agree. Like I'm just, you know, I I, I was on board from the get go. Uh, it starts off strong and continues going strong, as like one of the best uh, portrayals of uh you know the Dark Knight that I have ever seen. Uh, I love Robert Pat. I think Robert Pattinson might be my favorite Batman, mm. like uh, on screen portrayal of Batman that's ever been. Like, and, and it's it's tough to rank, you know? It's like, where does he rank in the Batman scale? You know, uh, right now, currently, I think he's he's on top. Hmm. And I've had a lot of time to really think about, like, the way he, portrayal, he portrays Bruce Wayne. And, you know, at first I thought it was flawed. And now I'm starting to think that um, he is... I think it, because you you said it as soon as we came out of the theater. Well, well at, when we just started talking about, um, you know, his portrayal of, of Bruce Wayne, uh, you were like, he just seems like a damaged person, right? He seems like an, an eccentric billionaire, but like who lost both his parents and he's, he's a little fucked up, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. So, so I, 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 I definitely have... I, I definitely look at Bruce Wayne in that lens and kind of seeing how the whole Batman act is just him now. It's just him 24-7. Like, he's just the Batman 24-7. And I I just loved it. Um, there is an amazing, amazing breakdown of uh, Batman and uh, the, the, the Batman film, Matt Reeves' Batman film, 
uh, on YouTube. There's a great breakdown uh, by Jesse Gender. Um, and the video is titled Another Right Wing Batman. We will uh, put up a link on our Instagram. Hmm. And uh, it, it just, you know, it's she spoke about a lot about like my feeling like she kind of echoed my feelings about uh, how I felt about the movie, which is like, what, what are the politics of the bat of, of Batman in general? Right. What are the politics that go behind it? I've always kind of seen Batman as kind of like a fascistic character, especially in Frank Miller's version of Batman, mm, mm, which yes. eventually became uh, Zack Snyder's version of Batman. Mm, surprising. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, because, you know, Zack Snyder is such a... He, he portrays, um, you know, characters without a political bias, you know. <laughs> I, I have never heard of Ayn Rand, you know, <laughs> who isn't that drag, drag, uh, uh, iron fist. <laughs> <laughs> Stanny uh, Rand. Oh God. <laughs> oh, fuck him. I hope he doesn't make it to Disney anyway. Yeah. Me, me too. Oh uh, yeah. Not making any friends with any Snyder fans anytime soon, but uh, but yeah, uh, excellent breakdown of the Batman and like whether or not the politics of the Batman uh, were were being addressed with you know with regards to his fascism, with regards to him being a billionaire and not helping out the the lower class, and him beating up you know poor people. Like we we've had this discussion <laughs> about like the meme about like. You know the what? What was it? What was it? The meme that you sent me. Um, the, the the three he like those three the the three heroes that won't kill you, but but um, your hospital your hospital bills will. Uh, yes, yeah, right. Yes. And it was uh, Batman, Daredevil, and Spider Man. Right. And I argued that Spider Man, of course, probably wouldn't uh, break every bone in your body. That's true. Like Batman true. and Daredevil would. <laughs> That's true. Uh, he just web you up, and then he's just like, "I'm late for class," you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think Spider-Man's a high schooler. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they get him to speak. He's just like, "No, I'm not. I'm a fully grown man." <laughs> I love when they give him the fucking Batman voice in in uh, Homecoming. Where he's like, tell me the names now, you know? <laughs> he's like, oh, fucking Childish Gambino's like, why the fuck are you talking that way? <laughs> that was great. I, I love that whole thing. But uh, what, what was the point that I was trying to make? Uh, what was I saying? Batman being oh, fascistic. Oh, uh, right, right, right. Batman being a fascist. But in this, uh, in, in the latest movie, there are definitely hints that he he understands now that he's giving off the wrong impression because you know within the contents of the movie he realizes that he's actually influencing people in the wrong fucking way mm. like you know everywhere in the movie he's like i am vengeance i am vengeance i am vengeance you know <laughs> he calls up to you know the pizza place it's just like yeah yeah uh, a set of pizza over to wayne manor where you know uh, oh right 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 wayne manor i got it got you got you uh, darkness right um 
He's like, uh, what should I, uh, what should, uh, you know, uh, who who shall I say is ordering? And he's like, vengeance. And he's like, oh, all right. I think Bruce Wayne might be Batman. No, I'm just, whatever. <laughs> Even Selena Kyle, every time, every, almost every time she spoke to him, she was just like, she's like, hey, vengeance. It's just like, my name's actually Batman, but you like no you always you always say vengeance <laughs> i bet you yell vengeance when you come you know so either that or more thought no, no. Uh, <laughs> sorry vengeance was my father's name <laughs> <laughs> but uh but uh, that's that joke is so tacky oh god um <laughs> but yeah, everyone calls him vengeance, and and like towards the end, somebody says that he, somebody calls themselves vengeance, and he, Batman realizes that he just he needs to be something more than just vengeance. Mm. He needs to be something more than something people fear. Like people are just plain scared of him. This is probably might might be the scariest depiction of Batman that's ever been. Right. Mm. He is genuinely frightening. Like the long shots of darkness, like dark corners of the city. Yeah. Like, and all the criminals are just like, they see the bat symbol up in the sky. They look towards those dark corners and they're just like, oh, what's in there? You know, maybe I better stop, you know, committing crimes. <laughs> Start learning how to be a vet. <laughs> uh, we definitely got that. Um, impression from the first scene that batman appeared uh in the movie where some you know street thugs make their way from the train into an abandoned station in gotham which i don't know why the train would stop at an abandoned station and let people out but you know that's neither here or there and they're cornering this poor guy poor innocent guy and um batman comes out and he proceeds to just brutalize uh the leader of the gang and then kick the shit out of the rest of the gang except for the the one gang member who seemed like he was just being initiated and he was still unsure whether this was the life path he wanted to choose and the moment he saw the bat signal in the sky he was just like i don't know i think i should just go back to you know uh beauty school and when <laughs> <laughs> when he was in that uh, train station and just saw Batman just turning like the other gang members' faces into pasta, just just wailing on them. He's just on the ground. He's just like, fuck this. I am not built for this. I don't want this life. And just got the fuck out of there. And I'm pretty sure <laughs> in one of the subsequent films, he's going to be like, a fucking doctor treating kids uh in a in a pan in a um epidemics latent area like it's just to be like yeah i was gonna be a gang member but then i saw batman basically uh uh face fuck somebody with his fist and uh <laughs> i made a life choice there i made a life choice there you know stay in school kids you know <laughs> That's when I went home and I took my Flintstones vitamins and I was on the shining path to greatness. <laughs> oh, you know, man. When I, when, I was, when I failed my gang initiation, and the, my gang initiation was, uh, you know, uh, crashed by, by the Batman. 
<laughs> I think that's when I turned my life. Could you imagine like describing that as like the moment you turned around? <laughs> <laughs> like people at the party would be like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I was on the wrong path, you know, doing drugs, hanging out with uh, costumed uh, <laughs> no hooligans. Oh, Lo and behold, uh, during my gang initiation, you know, sure, which is privy to happen, you know, uh, I, uh, I was just trying to, you know, getting good with the boys, and that's when the Batman showed up, and he said words that I will never forget. He said, "Justice." <laughs> And as he came in my friend's face, <laughs> after giving them the beating of his life, I knew right then I needed to turn my life around. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, jeez. But, but, uh, but, yeah. Um, let, uh, let, uh, you know, um, what, what, bleh. My, my, I just had like a train wreck in my mind. Uh, but what did you think of, of uh, what do you think of about the politics of Batman? Like we've talked about it at length about like, you we know, have, we have, he, he, he's a billionaire, right? Mm -hmm. He has the ability to help. Even in the movie, it's addressed. It's like, you know, there's a villain that tells him like, you're a billionaire. And then, you know, I was part of the working class and then, you know, something happened and then it was like your parents got shot. And then all of a sudden, like, um, you know, the news started paying and stopped paying attention to me and my plight and then just started focusing on little Bruce Wayne. And then, the, you know, Mr. Silver Spoon in his mouth lost his parents. Wah, wah, wah. Mm. You know, um, and. and you know, it kind of speaks to the fact that, like, uh, uh, Bruce Wayne is part of the billionaire class. You know, mm. he's part of the 1%. Um, how do you think that this movie kind of addressed that whole issue about, like, the classes, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think ever since uh, our prior conversations on the politics of Batman, I, I can only see him as a one percenter who might have some good intentions uh but it's all most of it is executed in the wrong way like part of it is he's trying to clean up the streets part of it is him unloading his personal issues on criminals who may have any number of uh life situations that may have put them uh where they were at that moment that they didn't have the luxury of uh, millions, if not billions of dollars to try to explore other avenues. You know, they're just trying to survive. Um, there was a point in the film where uh, you're pointing that out, especially uh, kind of was uh, sort of like illustrated in my face. It was when he was talking to the uh, one of the candidates for mayor for Gotham and she met up with him at the funeral for a character who um, who had been killed earlier in the film. And she was just like, hey, you know, um, the Waynes have a, 
a history of uh, philanthropy, and it doesn't seem like you're really doing that. Uh, I'd like to talk to you about that. You know, maybe we can work together, do something to improve the city. And he's still just glowering and, you know, brooding. He's just like, I must bring vengeance to the criminals of this, you know, and she's trying to talk to him about real change. She's just like, you know, why don't we do something systemically that could, you know, help the city like it's dirty, you know, it's everything. You know, we got to do something about this rain situation and the inordinate amount of rain that Gotham gets like. Holy you know. shit, man. Can we talk about that for a second? This is the wettest fucking Batman movie uh, I've ever seen. And uh, like it is just, uh, man, uh, it, it's damp. It's damp. <laughs> I can't imagine. I Let me tell you something. If you're an umbrella manufacturer in Gotham, you are swimming in money because. Uh, you are never out of business. I don't think there was one sunny day in this fucking film. I, look, I would be like, yeah, uh, if you're if you're a, a, an umbrella manufacturer, you're making bank, and then you're promptly you're promptly getting shivved, like <laughs> as soon as you step out the door, because bat because Gotham is is a fucking beast in this movie. Yes, it yes. is. Uh, it's scary. It's dark. It's always it's like I think it was daylight in one scene, and that was a funeral scene. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, like, I, I just I love I love the look of it, and to tell you the truth, uh, the fact that Gotham looked the way it did, it made me it really cemented the idea to me that Gotham is beyond saving. Mm. It is it not even um, Bruce Wayne with his billions of dollars. I don't think even with even being a philanthropist and pouring money into Gotham would help what's happening because and, and this is where I think that the politically uh, I was like, ooh, the Batman has something to say because they're just like the whole system is broken. Like corruption has has like very like is ingrained within every fiber of Gotham and uh you know case in point um you know no spoilers here but you know the one of the villains of the movie is uh Falcone Falcone Mm -hmm. and he is just he's basically the kingpin of Mm. Gotham very much so he has he has uh like he has his finger in everything. Uh, he's got his finger all the way up inside me right now. So Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's working me like a fucking hand puppet. Damn it, Falcone. Uh, so <laughs> get your hand I'll out of you. my co-host. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wearing hockey pads. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just a just a quick aside. It was good to see that actor in something where he was actually able to like stretch his acting chops. Um, usually, I see him as sort of like the bumbling, funny guy in most films, but like I actually got the impression like, oh man, this is a dangerous kind of skeevy guy. So it was good to see that actor uh, in that role. You know who else knocked it out of the park? Fucking uh, um, Commissioner Gordon. Uh, Jeffrey Wright. Yes. I fucking loved his portrayal of 
well, Lieutenant Gordon. Yes. Right. <laughs> Holy shit! Like at at all points in in the movie, he feels like a guy that is carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. There's a little bit of propaganda in the movie where it's just like you know. Uh, you know, there, yeah, there's, there's a lot of bad eggs. There's a lot of bad cops, but there are some good ones, you know, <laughs> yeah, not all of us are bad. I'm just like, nah, you were doing so good. I mean, yeah, to spoil it all. They, I mean, they, they, if they tweaked it a little more, I think it could have been passable because, okay. Yeah, sure. There are good cops, you know? Like in reality, there are some good cops, but the ultimate point is not that there is a good cop, is that the system is bad. So it kind of makes being a good cop almost irrelevant. And that is what the problem is. We have to make the system work for the good cops and be difficult for the bad cops and not the other way around, which is reflected in the Batman as well as reality, depressingly enough. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I I agree with that because, like, if there were no, if there were good cop, like the 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 this argument is mm. is is like I feel like forever, right? <laughs> it's a forever argument. Yes. If there were good cops out there, like in our in our real world, let's take us ourselves out of Gotham for a second. Let's wipe off the black makeup and <laughs> and be like, all right, let's. So wear less eyeshadow and just <laughs> live in the real world for a little bit. This is rough because, you know, I wear eyeshadow 24-7. So. Yes, you do. Um, and you wear it well. <laughs> you wear it well. Thank you. Thank you. But, uh, but When you uh, paint your face in shadow, smile. Uh, sorry. I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every night I burn. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Because I handle hot peppers and then I touch my dick <laughs> when I pee. I don't remember that part of the song, but okay. Yeah, you know? No, 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 no. That's, that's that in the, the extended remix? version of it. That's, oh, a, okay. that's in the B side. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> the gross soundtrack. But what was I saying? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the the uh, the argument is that, um, you know, the there are good cops out there, but the good cops never seem to be in the right place at the right time or we never seem to hear from these good so-called good cops whenever there is um you know an all live like a blue lives matter uh you know uh protest when there whenever there is uh uh you know uh police brutality we never hear the good cops pipe up and be like you know what this system is broken and it needs to fucking change because they're all part of the fucking union. They know if like they know if they speak out against the union, the other cops will go after them. And then it's like that that blue wall of silence. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those um, those good cops. Uh, and I, I do agree with you on that. Um, we rarely hear from them during those times when it would be the most crucial um, to speak up. I don't but think we rarely hear from them. We don't hear from them, period. We don't hear from them, period, except after the consequence of that blue wall of silence have fallen on them and have forced them out of the profession. Because there there are a group of former cops 
who have spoken out against the SIPS system, not just police brutality, but quotas um, and other such things that are unethical practices within the police force. And they are systemically forced out and they have gotten together and spoken out. There are a few YouTube videos where you can see interviews with them. But it's basically like if you talk, if you speak out in a way um, that doesn't align with the police union, your your life is your career is over and your life is basically on the line. Um, so the good cops who do speak out, they exist. They're just, you know, fired or pushed out or forced to retire. It's it's really it's, sad. Yeah. And it just proves that the system is fucking corrupt. Yeah, the system is broken and just needs to be radically changed. And I think that, you know, the Batman starts to talk about that a little bit, but then it, like, goes into, like, the whole, like, there are good cops out there. Commissioner Gordon's their leader, and he's going to be... I mean, Lieutenant Gordon's their leader, and he's going to be commissioner someday. Hmm. Um, but, but you know, I, I like... I don't know. I, I digress from that point. Uh, let's move on. Let, let's put on our, our mascara and delve right back into Gotham City. <laughs> and uh, let's talk about the Batmobile. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Batmobile, arguably a, another uh, quintessential character in the Batman uh, mythos. Uh, every iteration of Batman has their signature Batmobile. And I got to say this one, I, I'm going to be honest. When I saw the first shots of this car, um, when they were first producing this and we were all stuck inside on COVID and I was able to comb through every fucking single thing because I had time to do that sort of thing and nothing. <clears throat> Sorry, let me calm down. Um, <laughs> I was not impressed at first because I was just like, oh, it's just, you know, it's just a car, you know, and I get it. Like, this is Batman year two. He, he hasn't gone with the whole, you know industrial military design yet but as time progressed and especially when those trailers dropped i was just like oh my god this this car is more an animal than a machine yeah i look uh i have to say that i've always hated the military armored tank look of the batmobile that nolan introduced i thought it was ugly looking um, I thought that it just looked like it just looked like a pile of sheet metal. That's just some, somebody was just like, <laughs> let's paint this shit black and let's put it on wheels. <laughs> I, I didn't like it. Um, I liked the when it turned into the bat cycle because I was just like Batman to me is he, it's it's about speed. It's about it's about speed. It's about ferocity, you know. <laughs> Uh, and and that's what this Batmobile was to me. It looked as vulnerable and as like monstrous as Batman is, mm. because it's like it's it looks like it's super fast. It looks like it uh, like it can make a, a, like crazy turns. I don't know much card lingo. I'm not, I don't <laughs> want to get into like Top Gear shit. Um, but like when I saw it, like we both were like when it came through that wall of flames, I I had an erection. <laughs> I was like, Batman, bro. It was amazing, especially. I mean, you saw the moment in the trailer, but there was nothing like seeing it in the theater. 
Um, well, first of all, just when Batman started revving up that fucking car, everybody in the theater was just like, oh, shit. It was just it was it was more it was less revving as it was growling. Yes. Uh, I <laughs> and weren't, weren't you like when you saw like the the when he, he looked like he was building it, like it was still being built mm-hmm. in the Batcave. Weren't you like. Uh, you told me you were like, I think it's going to be all engine. Yeah. Right? It's just yes. going to be a fucking engine on wheels. <laughs> I did say that because every time they panned around the, uh, the the bat cave in this film, there were just car parts everywhere. And they looked just, it just looked overpowered. I was like, this, this goes, this is going to go in something that goes on pedestrian streets. It was, it was insane. And, yeah. And then when they, that car finally revved up in the dark, I was just like, this, this is a monstrosity. There's no way that this vehicle is street legal. <laughs> no. It's a Batmobile. It's got. Of course, a, it's not street legal. It's got a jet engine on the back. Like. <laughs> I thought when he activated that engine, I was like, he's going to go into fucking light speed. Like, he's just going to, like, like Barry Allen's just going to be running along, and then he's just going to be like, what the fuck is that? Just, boom! <laughs> Run the fuck over. <laughs> but uh, that shit was awesome. Um, uh, let's go. Uh, can, I, can I talk a little bit more about the performances a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Colin Farrell is awesome. Zoe Kravitz. Holy shit, steals oh, every scene that she's in. Yes. And I can't really say any more because my wife will fucking kill me. Well, well <laughs> I can say something. There, yeah, thank th- you. Talk about, like, sex on wheels. Uh, Zoe Kravitz absolutely knocked it the fuck out. I mean, she's she's playing this fictional character on screen, and I was still nervous every time she walked into a room because it was just like, Oh my god, how can you not pay attention to this woman? She is utterly gorgeous. And just besides the look though, she fully fleshed out the essence of what Selena Kyle is, this femme fatale who has many layers to her, is just trying to make it and is using every tool at her disposal to do so. And while she doesn't necessarily fall on the right side of the law all the time, She's still, her ethic, her personal ethic and moral kind of makes up for that because her uh, her roommate um, goes missing and eventually turns up dead. And it becomes her driving force. She is just like, I'm going to fuck up anybody who was involved in this. And she's willing to cross that line. She's willing to take a life easily. I mean... I, I don't want to spoil too much in case you haven't seen it, but there's somebody who she's going to kill that the majority of human beings could never kill um, if you were faced with that decision. But she was uh, yeah. with with extenuating circumstances as well. But right. anyway, she I I she has to be in the next film. She just has to be. Uh, you know, it was really sad uh, because it, it's kind of pointed that uh the Catwoman is selena kyle is has taken up her own direction mm. um and uh, i i was like no 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 i want a whole movie about because i don't know uh, maybe it's just me but i've always kind of found the moral ambiguity of the Catwoman character to be more compelling to me 
than Batman. Mm. And I've always felt like there should be more of a of an exploration sans Halle Berry, you know, uh, <laughs> of the Catwoman character, of this Catwoman character in particular. Oh man! Oh my God! I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't want to drag us back to the Catwoman. So the less the less said about Halle Berry's Catwoman. Look. <laughs> Look, Halle Berry, fantastic actress, but that movie was just, she must have owed somebody something because, woo, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I think she saw, like, she, I'm going to be a superhero? Holy shit, you mm, know? Mm. Uh, and and it's like, yeah, but it's Catwoman. Uh, it, it's not just the comics accurate Catwoman. It's like this, <laughs> you have to watch this piece of shit to really believe it. <laughs> Oh god! But, uh, but yeah, uh, it's it's it, I I the it, as a whole the 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 uh, the whole movie is it, it's I think it's fantastic. Really deserves to be seen. Uh, I think it's uh, so far for, for me. It's the best Batman movie I've ever seen. Agreed. And, uh, hyperbole aside. So uh, what else? I, oh, I wanted to talk about like. Um, I was like gonna make a segue because you were talking about uh, people that uh, Catwoman was fucking up. And I was like, speaking of people who that that was my segue. That was uh, yeah, I'm going through it in my head. Um, speaking of people that deserve to be fucked up, Ben Shapiro, right? Oh God. Uh, <laughs> ben Shapiro hated this movie. Oh. Yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, he said that. Uh, can you ma- Can you guess which line was it that really pissed him off? Oh, God, it was uh, I bet it was, you know, people only care when these rich white guys. Blah, 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 and yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it, because uh, Selena Kyle is like says, like, who cares about like these rich white assholes? At some point, I'm mm-hmm. paraphrasing heavily, of course. She tells uh, Batman, not knowing he's Bruce Wayne, she's like, oh, people just care about fucking Bruce Wayne and these white privileged assholes. And they don't really care about like the real the people of Gotham, you know. And, you know, uh, Ben Shapiro took umbrage with that, as he is per to do. And then he uh, unleashed his, uh, uh, you know, nerd uh, uh, analysis of it. And he's just like, you know. White privilege being mentioned ruins a movie. White people being portrayed as the villains is bad. And people of color, Batwoman, uh, being against white privilege is annoying. Uh, you know, um, this is what he said. Mm, fuck him. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm quoting I'm quoting him, I think. Uh, but, yeah, he's an asshole. And, you know, if Ben Shapiro hates it, it's a work of art. Absolutely. You know, go, out, go out and watch it. Um <laughs> Ben Shapiro. Oh, jeez. Fuck that guy. Seriously. <laughs> and um, and I think that's a good place to cap it. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> By beating fucking Ben Shapiro's face into a pile of mush. Uh, metaphorically as the Batman, you know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> metaphorically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why so serious, Ben? Um, <laughs> So from both of us here, I am Pav. And I'm E. And together we are the Robots vs. Taxes program. On Radio Free Brooklyn. While you're out there, you could try keeping it real. But you should try keeping it right. Song of the week. (laughs) Justice! 
Woman who want good love. Now sympathize. Woman who want good love every night. Right up. Love a girl. Sweet loving in the fall in the rain Sweet loving a mix of our brain 